Welcome to another edition of the Repod. You got me, Wayne Riles, Wayne Baker, freshly shaven um, this afternoon. Martin Cassidy from Ref Support UK, and I am really, really excited to uh, introduce you to our new guest this week, who is none other than Troy Townsend. Um, Troy, I don't. I, I think a lot of people will know who you are, um, but I think the introduction should be over to you, mate, rather than me. And you oh, can tell us a little bit about you. yourself now. <laughs> Over to me. Wow. Um, where do I start? Oh, right. Okay. Um, I didn't expect this, by the way. So you've caught me on the hop, but not many people do catch me on the hop. Um, so Troy Townsend, I suppose I should start with my title and the organisation I work for. So I work for Kick It Out, Football's a Quality and Inclusion Campaign, who are recognised in 30 years. Um, 30 years on Saturday it was, so... Um, when you think about, I can't use the term celebrate um, because what is there to celebrate about it being in this industry and trying to change the narrative that has existed for so long around racism and discrimination. So I say recognize because for me, it kind of, there has to be a recognition of the 30 years, you know, what we've tried to do, what we've tried to achieve, but also the fact that we're so much stuck in the mud because there's so much more to do. Um, my title is head of player engagement. To be fair, I've had about, I've worked for the organisation for 12 years now. Um, as you can tell, I'm not freshly shaven because I can't be. It's just a tiring day. Mm-hmm. Um, but that title, to be fair, I've had about 10 titles in 12 years. So I'd pay no notice to the title, but I actually work closely with players um, in many different formats. So deliver education into football clubs, but predominantly the academy environment. So to help our young players understand what they're getting into when they get into the to the top level of the game. I support players who unfortunately have been victimised, you know, on the football pitches, on the professional pitches, on the grassroots pitches, behind the closed doors, all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm a prominent voice. I say prominent voice. I think they're trying to edge me out of one of the doors at the back. But I'm, I'm a prominent voice on all things kind of discrimination. But obviously... I'll be honest with you, where I feel that the conversation around racism is diminishing, um, I kind of stick my head above the water all the time and trying to keep shouting from the rooftops that we are in a what I believe is in a really bad space still. And I'll challenge anyone on that. And I've got some data and I'm not a data driven guy, but I'm being told that, you know, that this era that we need to work on data. So the data in my good voice tells me that I'm still right about racism being the highest form of discrimination that exists in regards to our reports that come in to kick it out. Um, so that's the day job, uh, the night job when I put on the mask and, and put on the, the, uh, the, the, whatever else it is that Batman and Superman wear um, <laughs> is making sure that our sport continues to drive this messaging. I do it through various formats through my own podcasting Um of podcasts that we develop and grow and and kind of continue to um i've done a an audio documentary on the academy system this is where it all begins this is where you know you either excel or you talk pretty horribly about your experiences speaking to parents speaking to players speaking to ex-players speaking to players that have had some of the pretty most horrendous experiences that have existed to be honest and i would never believe that football could open people up to those kind of experiences that they've had. And um, I did it because a young, another young man lost his life because of the beautiful game or took his own life because of the beautiful game, because 
You know, he was at a club that was thriving and that he saw young players become superstars and he wanted to be a superstar. And unfortunately, he was released and I'm not blaming the club at all. That's why I won't say it. But there's something about this game that takes players to the extreme um, and it has a massive impact. Um, I'm a father of a player as well. So that's where a lot of my knowledge of the industry comes from through driving myself through, you know, taking him on the journey that might come up a little bit later on. Um, I do have a bit of spare time and I leave the spare time for the grandchildren and that, but they're not ready to be exposed to the beautiful game yet. So we'll leave them where they are. But I'm in a particular period of time where I'm celebrating everyone's birthday at the moment. August is a particular month. Um, expensive. It, very expensive month. Um, uh, do you know what? And I eke out every bit of my energy in this space. I must say that as well. Every bit of my energy, sometimes to my own detriment, as Martin will know. Sometimes to the point where the game, I feel like walking away on a regular basis. And then sometimes where I feel that if I walk away, what would I leave, you know? So I'm invested in this space so much. Um, unfortunately, I've had some experiences in this space, even while working in it, you know, as a coach and as a young player, you kind of expect it. But when you kind of put a suit on, which I do, and you, you go into various rooms let's say let's just call them rooms i don't expect to see it labeled at me but i have and i've witnessed it and i've challenged it and certain behaviors have been very funny towards me so look that's i didn't expect to have to say it in that way i thought i was going to get the big trumpet and then you were going to tell me all about my achievements and everything else but <laughs> listen i fight against the grain all the time as as, as mr cassisi well knows um and we have become close friends because of that and i think I will always kind of champion his cause and I don't know he will always champion my cause and listen we've had a one or two little choice moments as well which I think yeah, we have me, me one of the things I'm glad I know you're a bit uncomfortable doing what just happened there but I'm glad you did because I I find you you're someone I look up to unbelievably yeah you're infectious you, you you've said things you've done things that I that I use for my cause and I quote where I got these things from. And he's saying that's why I get in trouble then because you're quoting me. Yeah, <laughs> I go, listen, I'm not saying this, Troy is, <laughs> but it, it's, it's, I know you probably feel, and I, and I, I, and I know you, you will feel that when we're, we're probably decades away from where you want to be and how to address this. But, but I feel the game would be nowhere near how it's progressed if it wasn't for you and kick it out. No good people behind it. And I just think no one should even begin to diminish the work you do with your education. And, and you're, you're really good at, at teaching by stealth. I've watched you do things that isn't, you can go up to people, if you go up to someone and say, right, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you the seven times table. People switch off. If you go in there going, I'm going to tell you about the problems in football. People people will switch off, right, you're wrong. But the way you do it is such a professional, very, very intelligent way you're doing it by stealth. And and I try to copy that. I try to talk to people about, you know, try to put fun into it as well. Uh, yeah. to put fun into what, to what you do. But I think you you have, you, you've changed my narrative because sharing what you have and saying how things affected you, unbelievable thing that stuck in my head about what happens when you, the birthday cards for your mum, absolutely tattoos on my head. And, and I just hope that the people behind there that you represent absolutely honour what you've got and what you do. And, and that's why I was amazed up you, you would come on here. Then we got BAME Ref Support now, which has started wonderful support by the FA and 
stuff like that, which is again brilliant because I always felt, even though one of the things they had against the referee associations is that they haven't got any BAME representatives in the referee association. I never liked and still don't like that they get lots of gifts off the FA that I believe can be tantamount to um, hush money. But when BAME ref support was started and where it sat and how it still challenges and some of the wonderful and impressive people in there, like yourself, Nadge, and um, all the people that, that are involved in there, that's going places. That's going to be another game changer. And having you attached to that with those people, it, um, it's great to see, mate. And, and you you give me hope that, you know, in 30 years' time, ref support will still be there. Ref support will still be making noises. Ref support will be smashing windows so doors yeah. will open. And I think I think football shouldn't shouldn't um, acknowledge that like it should like it should it should acknowledge what you do and what you do and how you do it, mate. How you and particularly having the, the easy stones that can get thrown at you. What about your boy being yeah. being in a game and and it's an easy target and and it could be a weakness for you. How you handle that? How you, how how Andros handles it? It's such an oppressive oppressive piece, you know. I I I I I really in order because both to be honest, I really am. I was gutterly went to Everton. He could have stopped that, sorry. Could have stopped that. But what I want Waz to say, I want Waz to t- tell Troy about your club and and the makeup of your club and yeah. how you sit in this in this arena. Um. Well, I mean, there's no, I can't, I don't know how to put it really. It basically, I I made a statement before he came on, um, and I basically said that in terms of where I'm at in in Doncaster, where we we run our football club. I I know for a fact we are the most diverse club in Doncaster by an absolute country mile and, and, and by some distance. Mm. I also know um, players that I've got that have been turned away, um, not officially, but there's no other reason for it other than the colour of the skin. So when when I decided, or me and my wife decided to set this, this club up, I don't actually think we had a an ethos or a policy to say that we was going to make sure it was multicultural, but it was it was because it, it's not our mindset. I think the mindset was that it was to be open for everybody. So um, th- there was ne- there was never going to be any discri- discrimination of any kind of of girls, boys. You know what color skin you are, what god you follow, what meat you eat, what don't matter what language you speak. Football is one language, and um, we set this club up because we said that we we always believed that football was more than just a game. Everybody focuses on, on the game of football and they'll all say, oh, it's just a game of football on a Sunday. And if you do it right and you do it properly, it's not just a game of football on a Sunday. You know, there's so much more to it. You actually strengthen a community. You you build bridges opposed to islands and or you build bridges to the islands, if you like, and you get to meet so many different people. We have people from everywhere we have people that are refugees we have people that have, have have been born here but the parents came in 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 other you know um migrant cases and and you know a lot have been born here a lot haven't and we've we've took it upon ourselves to to literally make i mean i mean i am as a person i'm i'm, I'm very open very warm very I, I like to know everybody meet everybody with a smile and we we, I, I believe at my club in, in, in Doncaster that we've got something really special going off. And we, we've we tapped in. I say tapped in. I can't think of a better word really than tapped in. We've had people come from various backgrounds. 
made them feel extremely welcome, took the kids on board. They've then gone back and told their friends, who kids are also wanting to get into teams, mm. who've told their friends, who've told their friends. And before you know it, we have a club that is just absolutely blooming with 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 colour and diversity. And we did a thing um, about a year ago. We had a, in the summer, we did like a, a bit of a, I can't think of what to call it really. Just a bit of a day. Everybody get together. Um, bring all your own food. We'll get loads of games out with kids. All parents come, bring the siblings along. And we had people from all over cooking all different types of food. So you can all try this different types of food. Everybody laughing, everybody joking, everybody mixing, everybody mingling, playing different sports and just having just having the time of life. And it's do you know, I look at my team now and I've got I've got um players from Nigeria, um, from Kurdistan, uh, from India. And we, I mean, some of the, you know, forget everything else at this point. Some of them are absolutely exceptional footballers, exceptional talents that should have been given, or should have been a, just a normal given right to be able to go and express that and learn the game of football without any any pullbacks, without anybody dragging them down. And we've created this culture within my club where everybody knows it and knows that the, that the welcome and it's no coincidence to me that every team, more or less, in the club, we've got 10 now, are doing well. And they're all diverse. And they're all from people of, of different backgrounds and colour. And it is... We always said that, that Sandal Beat, what we made, was going to be one massive footballing family. And I'm only two years into a journey with it. But I'm already succeeding in, in what we do. And so to think that it still goes on, you know, to think that you... Uh, I can't think of a better word than knuckle-draggers. But to think that... This ideology, I tell you what, I, I make a really good point to you. We had, we did a, my lads won the league last year and I did a, I said to them, I make it really special for this summer. We'll raise loads of money. We'll do different stuff. So I asked the kids, what do you want to do? And one of the days we took them to, to the coast and we gave them all a little bit of spending money time and they wanted to do go-karting and we did all that. And we, we had an incident. I say an incident. It wasn't an incident really. It wasn't me, It wasn't out of any kind of malice and it wasn't out of um, any racism, but I normally give them bibs, you know, to separate the teams. And yeah. because I'm so diverse, it literally is 50-50. Um, and they're basically separating themselves by colour. Um, and somebody came and told me, and I went, whoa, I can't have that. Because that's where it starts, isn't it? <clears throat> and I basically pulled them all to one side and I gave them a massive talking to and I, and I, honestly, if you get if you ever got to know me, you know that I'm pretty I'm pretty passionate about everything that I'm involved in. And I gave him a massive speech. So look, I know it's not come from a bad place. I know you've just done it just to separate so you can have teams. I said, but that's how it starts. And I'm not sure how political I can go, but I'll, I'll go as much as as what I think I can. And I said, these idiots that are in charge of this country at the minute are trying to turn everybody against each other to make you think that your enemy is somebody who speaks a different language or is a different colour or doesn't eat the same food as what you eat. When actually, what we really need, not just in this country, but in this world, when we all start to smarten up and realise that, people of different colour, of different languages, of different backgrounds, of different beliefs, are not your enemy. Your enemy are the people that are running this country. The people that are dividing you, the people that are taking all the money off you, the people that are pouring sewage into your, into your seas and, and your rivers, the people that are turning you against desperate people, 
crossing a channel in a boat and dying. They're telling you it's their fault that we've got no money. Their fault the NHS is on its ass. No, it's not. The very people are those people. And the sooner we really passionate about this, the sooner we realise as a nation, as a world, that we need to do better than governments. We need to do better than these people that are in charge. Because people from different countries are difficult. They're not your enemy. The people that are their enemy are the ones sitting at top and they want you all to hate each other. And until we realise that and stop it and start to hold join hands as a one and turn on them, it's it's going to be a long, long road. And that's how I feel. Do you mind if I interject? No. Well, I'm not interjecting because you Please don't. do. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I get passionate about it. No, I don't listen to party political broadcasts. There's a reason why I don't listen to them because I think it's all bullshit. Yeah. I'm standing in line to listen to some more of what you've just said, Wes, because uh, like it just makes sense. Now, your your footballing journey with your club now mirrors what I started with my own club. God, I'm afraid to say how many years ago because you start wondering about my age. But <laughs> when you start football is the common denominator, isn't it? You pick up the ball and everyone knows what you've got to do with it. They don't put it in their hands. They don't you know, throw it at each other. They put it down at the feet and they go and play. They go and express themselves. It's such a beautiful game that has been complicated by the rule makers, those that think they know it better, that have never probably hit a ball, struck a ball properly ever. So that ball connected me to young English lads, young Jamaican lads, young Caribbean, whatever, young Asian lads, young Mediterranean lads, young Greek lads, and their parents. So I'm at the other end of the scale now, where my players, ex-players, are now uh, brother-in-laws or, uh, you know, godparents or, you know, just part of the family that goes on holiday or they are still a complete nightmare. Like, <laughs> I was at Tottenham the other day and one of them is talking at the top of his voice and I said to him, can you shut up for a minute? <laughs> but actually, this young man who was an absolute top player but equally a nightmare, you couldn't control him. You know, I, I wanted to bring him into the club and all my parents said, no, we don't want him here. Actually, they embraced him. He's a beautiful soul. He now runs a business where he employs four of my ex-players. His wow. business is thriving. He's also a, a person who doesn't share his emotion too much, but in a, a message to me after we finished, it's about the dad that he never had, you know, and the connection that I had with him and his mum and his grandparents. His grandparents were amazing, by the way. We lost his granddad. It was a really emotional moment. Mm. You know, so if you do things properly, organically, you know, you will grow as a community. You know, you don't have to go with... Uh, I had to do with a situation back end of last week, which I can't say too much about, where a coach who's an ex-pro footballer said, we need to get more white players in this team. Like... Why? Because he felt he had too much... Hold on, but who, who got the black players in, by the way? He's the manager. Mm. Who got the black players in? But, oh, no, we need to get more white players in this team so, you know, we can... we can And, the, the, and it's like what you said there, Wes, about this is where the rivalry comes from. Yeah. Because you start talking that language, it becomes common. Mm. Once it becomes common, it comes imprinted in some of their heads. And if it comes imprinted in their heads, they then see the opposite, as they say, as the enemy. 
So as adults, as human beings, as the senior human beings, I'll put myself in that bracket, we have the responsibility to school our, the young people in our care, right? Because our educational system, I'm going to say this out loud, having been in it for 15 years, is a pile of crap. Mm. So actually, when they come to, you know, our football centres, our clubs, and this is where they learn the most about togetherness about growing together, about understanding. I, I, I chuckled at when you said, you know, we got all our parents to, you know, we had a sports day. That's what I used to do. We had mm. sports days. You know, forget football. We're not playing football today. Yeah, yeah. We play yeah, football yeah. every... No, we're, we're having... A, and get your parents to bring some food, please, because I'm starving. <laughs> <laughs> parents jump in on it. Yeah, yeah. And they want to do it because you've created such a feel of family. Mm. But that's what they want to invest in. So, yes, the football is the common denominator. But when you finish the football, you actually create so much more. And these boys, these boys who, uh, they were boys who are now men, are part of my extended family. Mm. They will ring me up. They will, you know, I don't want to hear too much from them because I'm a little bit older. Now, but, you know, they know where I am if they ever need me, you know. And, yeah, 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 yeah. and unfortunately, look, we lost the secretary of the club at the time who was uh, the mother of one of my players. We, we lost her a few weeks ago, you know. And the only beautiful thing, because she's, she's young and, and, you know, she's just had grandchildren, which she really wanted, and she only spent three years with them. But the beautiful thing is that everyone was there. Everyone. And Martin knows my story a little bit more than both you guys, but I find it hard to celebrate somebody's life, you know, when, they, when they're lost, having lost a child at such a young age. But you find yourself celebrating because you're around those people that actually brought her out of her comfort zone and made her family part of our family. And so in the end, you had to, you know, yes, it was a little bit morbid to start with and you have your period of that, but it was actually such a beautiful afternoon, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it's the thing that drives us on it, the thing that keeps us going. And, you know, we become parents to all, don't we? Um, yeah. That's a real beautiful thing. So what a mm. great way to start. It was brilliant, wasn't it? And, and I think I see football as a starting gun for the journey rather than the finishing line. And I think... It's the same with refereeing. You know, I, I've got friends, really close friends, moral compasses who keep me as a delinquent child, a teenage dad, a, a te you know, just out of my teenage years, divorced with kids. Everything that's going to go wrong in your life was the arrow pointing at me. But not having these people I've met through football and refereeing, who are my moral compasses and say, come on, that, that, is, that isn't the right road. That's all through football. Mm. All through football. If anything, the, the people outside football are the ones that take me on the road that I, I, I didn't want yeah. to really be on anymore, which is why I'm, I live in Somerset now, not Liverpool. And I think that's all come from football. And I think, hearing like what you you did then, when I thought that was beautiful listening to you. I know it can be a bit political. People, people are probably thinking, oh, my God. you know, Oh, I'm there. I've got the T-shirt. I'm yeah. there. Yeah. The thing is, he's right, which is really unusual for Wayne, but in this particular case, <laughs> he's right. <laughs> And having your boy attached, Wayne, is a good story, I think. Say again, Martin. Sorry, I missed having that. Having your boy attached. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, how he's refereeing. Uh, my boy qualified as a ref um, only like a month or so ago. He's 14 okay. years old. Amazing. Um, already earning his pocket money. Really cool. enjoying it. He refed a game. Wayne were witnessing it yesterday. Wayne said he's doing really well, uh, which is fantastic. But, um, I mean, he was 
part of an incident a little while ago um, that really, really upset him, actually. Upset a lot of us. We were we were playing a game. I'll try and paint a bit of a picture, um, and I don't want to cast any aspersions, but it was in a very low-wealth mining village, ex-mining village. And we had a particular kid, a Jamaican kid, brilliant little player, um, always on, you know, never on the, on the bench, asked us to come off which we thought was really, really odd for him. We was like, mm. well, what do you want to come off for? He's like, oh, I can't be bothered. I can't be bothered. So we brought him off for a bit. You could see we were kind of itching to get back on again. And um, so we're like, no, go on, get back on. He got back on, and within a few minutes, he suddenly, which is totally out of character, turned and lashed out at this opposition player, dragged him to the floor and started belting him. We're like, whoa, what the hell? We started running on to separate it, Parents from the opposition team started running on, and the language that we heard. I mean, I'm going to say it, right? You know, this one coming, get off him, you fucking packy. You're like, what? I mean, she'd even got his race wrong for a start. Mm. Um, but he, he was crying his eyes out while he's, he's cracking this kid, and we managed to drag him off. He's calling me the N word. He's calling me the N word. I'm like, you're 11 years old. You know, why should you be listening to that? My son come running over. I heard that, Dad. I heard that. Why was he calling him that word? Why was he calling him that? We did, we abandoned the game. Now I was driving him, my son, and a friend home. The three of them are crying in the back of the car, right? Because, well, no kid should hear that ever. And then I got him home, and having to try and tell his mum this yeah. broke me. Absolutely yeah. broke me because I'd never been witness to such venom of this kind of well of, of this racism before. Um. We then, we contacted um, the club. At the time, the club that we were part of, they were a bit slack, uh, to be fair. We contacted the FA ourselves. We contacted the club. Very, very little seemed to be getting done. We contacted the police. The police started making investigations and doing what little that they could. But the club in question actually put a statement on their website saying, we have been found not guilty, Right. What the police had said was we can't find enough evidence to prove it fact. Now, we'd all heard it. We'd all seen it. So then we contacted the FA again. said, what are you doing about this? And they said, there's very little that we can do. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll write them a letter. It then went on to social media. And all of a sudden, things started to change. I mean, uh, the mother of the child, she actually became a committee member to look after our, um, our like racism side of things and be, be our representation for a while. Um, but once it started hitting social media and the club started getting tired, suddenly things changed. And the club then released a statement saying, we're going to do training. You know, we, we hold our hands up and it just felt like there's no bite. You know, those at the top for us at the bottom, it's nothing. You know, we're a tiny grassroots club. What do we matter? Wayne, you may have seen me smiling a bit there, and I'm not smiling because of the situation. I'm smiling because if I've heard that story once, mm. I've heard it a million times. The age is no barrier, by the way. No. I've heard it from younger. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I've also witnessed the parents in the way that you've described as well. Um, this is why, unless you hold people, it's almost you have to do your own work here in this space. Because if you don't do it, like you've just said, no one nobody will. Uh, you know that not enough evidence stuff gripes me massively, massively. I can only say to you now. I always apologise. 
I've got nothing to do with the incident. But I always apologise because no one, the child, the parent, the teammates, the club, that no one should have to experience or witness things like that. You know, no one. Mm. So I always apologise. And I don't apologise on my behalf. Mm. I apologise on the game's behalf. And then you have to go through the bit where it's almost like you're victimised again because the process is so poor. Yeah. Martin knows I say this all the time. Grassroots is like the wild, wild west. Okay, yeah. there's no sheriff. Sheriff shits himself. There's, am I allowed to say shits himself? Sure, sure. Oh, you can't say shit on you. Can you say shit on you, Wayne? Can definitely say shit. Yeah, you absolutely. can say shit. All right. So I can say shit. So I've said shit <laughs> once and I've said it about four <laughs> times since. But the sheriff not wants no part in it. Do you know what I mean? Because the the, the natives, the cowboys and, and, and the Indians, and the, the, the they're too fiery. So the sheriff steps back and says, I can't deal with this. This is what it happens in our game. You have an open line to me if ever an incident like that happens again. The biggest thing for me is a support system. You had an 11-year-old boy, is that right? Yeah, 11, 11 years old. Who decided that he didn't want to play the game that he loves mm -hmm. because of the abuse that he was, was receiving. And he needed to take some time out to get his head straight. So I'm picturing this scenario now where he gets his head straight he wants to get back on and then he's immediately hit by the same language that he, he'd come yeah. off of. Now he can't control his anger. He tried to control his anger by coming off and he's done the right thing. Now he can't control his anger. And this is where, and I'll be honest with you, if that stuff didn't go on, did your, did your lad get charged as well? Was no, 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 no. My, my lad was with him. No, sorry. My lad got player, really sorry, upset because that he out. heard it. Yeah. The player that hit out, your player that was racially abused. Oh yeah, no, charged. no, he didn't get charged. No, well, that's surprising because they normally charge them as well. Yeah, the the, uh, the parents of the kid that was actually racially abusing him tried. There you go. Yeah, there you go. And now think of that as a double whammy. Yeah. You know, the reason he's lost his head is because no one has dealt with the situation. Yeah. I now can't take it. Eleven years of age, by the way. I can't take it no more. The only thing I can do to, to shut this person up who's calling me the N word or monkey or whatever it is is to punch him yeah now i'm going to take my aggression that's like the school playground isn't it it's like being in the school playground i, think it's, I, th I think it's interesting to add as well this this player no longer plays football he's quit who the player and we don't i don't i don't know it's never actually been said that this was the reason why he quit but um he, he not, i he certainly think plays. it was a big effect on him mm. really yeah yeah and that's the thing we're happy to lose young people who have activity, you know, who have structure, who have development as part of their growing up, mm -hmm. we're happy to lose them from the game because we can't deal with the abuse that's been levelled at them. And yeah. I'll stand up in front of anybody and say, the problem is not with the young youngster, the problem is the people that administer the rules and the, and the, the sanctions and the actions against. What Did the parent get charged? You know, all of this, you're allowing that language to, to be an acceptable norm. And I always say, well, what are they like on a normal day then? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So you see, the crazy thing is the coaches of the actual opposition, they came over and apologized and said that shouldn't have happened. But then once obviously the situation had cooled down, we'd gone and gone home. They suddenly were like, oh, we never heard anything. We don't know anything about it. You know, I don't want to mark against their own football club. No, exactly. And the power of social, what I'm seeing more and, have done for a few years and utilized it in my own situation was the power of social media. 
Mm. I know social media can be a really shit. I'm saying it again. <laughs> a really shit space at times, you know, and it drives you crazy. But actually, in incidents like this, when people get behind you and say that's not acceptable, it's unbelievable. Who are this club? You know, we need to. But the county affairs will say, oh, can you take that down? Can you not do that? Mm, you not yeah. expose clubs in that way. But it's the only way that we seem to be able to have a little bit of peace of mind and get some accountability, because that's what we're after. Absolutely. Absolutely nailed it on the Ted there with the social media thing. And I said it earlier about smashing windows out, P.O. Box 1966, so the doors would open. And what's happened is, it always happens in lots of spaces in football, you take it to this little smoke-filled snug they used to have in the back of a pub where everything got sorted out and you never heard what happened. Social media just clashed all those rooms down. There's one big room now. And if you ain't playing ball, you go into social media. Mm. With their support, we had this exact same thing where people say, no, oh, you can't do it. There's regulations. When This is how, how naive people were in the beginning. When we started pushing that out about videos on, the, on our Twitter yeah. account, one particular county FA sent an email to every single registered referee saying you can you cannot talk to the media without our express permission i got sent that email put it up on my twitter account said you need to retract this covered in dan rowan high profile journalist other people like martin ziegler henry winter do you realize that they are telling them, oh my god i got retracted now what happens was they get used to acting like this troy because no one challenges them enough Absolutely. for whatever reason and they think they can get away with it. And so what they do, they end up making these errors. And what's happened is those errors can now go on social media. But everyone else to decide, is that an error or not? Yeah. And that's why I believe the social media space can be poisonous, can be horrible. But I don't think ref support would be anywhere where it is as a voice if it wasn't for that social media. I agree with you. I agree with you. Absolutely agree with you. You know, uh, there's two ways of looking at it. Is that you've always got to shield yourself from the abuse because you'll get it anywhere. And I know that you do as a platform but actually there are this is the thing there are more good people than people that have all that mindset and hatred on their mind so actually once you build up a community of good people they will always be there for you Absolutely. they'll always amplify your voice and now you have that connection because you didn't in the early years did no, you but you no. now you've got that connection of your big hitters your dan rowans your henry they've only got to put one tweet out and bam and you'll get the detractors again, but actually you'll see more of the people that go, can't believe this is the case, X, Y, and Z. Very true, very true. And what happens is the body, but the body cams, we, how long did I bash on about that, Troy? And then um, Martin Ziegler put it out, because he was at the IFAB, yeah, saying, yeah, yeah, that support's yeah. going to be tagged us in. Now, now I've always said it, the, the whole point of allowing the body cam pilot was to address all forms of abuse, not just ref abuse. Now, if the referee in that game that happens with, with, with what you just said then, Wayne, and it was on a body camera, you've got nowhere to go. Yeah. You've got absolutely nowhere to go. So although the FA and I've really praised people like Andy Ambler and then what they've done, Danny Meeson, with the body cam pilot, with these points deduction, I've chased points deduction for ages. When they do come through, what I'm finding with the FA is, as progressive as it is, it's still not enough. With a points deduction, it's like, oh, it's regular, perpetrators of, of, of abuse well no yeah, always little bits of wording little, in little there. caveats in there i'm thinking oh for fuck's sake sorry yeah. for god's sake why Wait, let me just check see whether you can say that word just go in even yeah. do it even do it like but there's a fear yeah. martin there's a fear that if they go too far too quick 
Really? Like, I, I believe. Now, I wasn't so excited about the points deductions. I've got to be honest. And the reason why I wasn't so excited is because of what you've just said. Oh, okay. You don't read everything and read that fine line. You're going to think that oh, it's going to apply to everybody and it's massive and it's a game changer. And so my counsel is still out. I'm not sure. Now, I, I respect that and understand that because I'm, I was disappointed. We had Andy Amber on here and he was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I know. Yeah. He yeah. was absolutely brilliant and, and he wants to come back on again. He's a top guy. He is a top guy. And he, and he said, top guy. He, he said, teams above, leagues above, should be looking down saying that might come up here if it works. And he said, when we, when we do someone for points for abuse of a referee, we're going to shout loud about it. And I'm thinking, whoa, this is great. What I said to him, look, we're children. If you're under, we call it proven, but I'm going to say guilty. Someone gets found guilty under FA procedure and processes of, of being found guilty, proven, of threatening and verbally abusing the child referee. You don't need to do that a couple of times to lose points, mate. That right. immediately should lose points. And that starts at the right time where these people are going, actually, when I grow up, if I behave like that, my team is going to lose points. But it's, it's just diluted a little bit. And, and, and the body cam trial as a pilot are getting extended great, but it's all encrypted. And yeah. they're not really turning the body cams on until you feel threatened. It's, it's a little bit, you know, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. And it's it's, it's like everything, Martin. It's like, you know, when I started to put three-step protocols in for racism. So that gives the person, ah, okay, yeah. the individual, the group, free opportunities to go and racially abuse on the field of play before there's any action. Yeah, It's like the, um, the Italians have now gone for a zero-tolerance approach. So that apparently the act will happen. So if there's anything in the stadium the act of, of, of stopping the game, of, of, of potentially, you know, calling the game off, abandoning the game, will happen straight away. Let me see about that when that happens, by the way. It looks good in, in black and white. Yeah. How do they administer it? You know, and, it, and it's like everything that we feel that the game, and the game is taking pigeon steps. It's taking small steps. But we're in 2023. And we know that grassroots is wild. We know that the professional game is still having its issues, although no one likes to talk about it that much. Mm. Um, and we know that European competitions, so I, I do a lot of work in the academies. And all, of, all I'm hearing now is we went to and, we went to and, we, and it's all around racism. It's all around, and I, listen, that's my field. I'm not saying that they're not other forms of discrimination, but the points that come back to me when our, Academy players are traveling to, to all these countries for pre-season. I've worked with a club for six nights because of that fact is the fact that they're being identified based on the color of their skin. Now, for me, there's a welfare issue there. Do our clubs continue to travel? If they know that they're going to an area where actually, or a country where actually there's been a theme, their responsibility is to the player, no? Their responsibility is to any player that may be subjected to that abuse. So unless we can start thinking differently, like we do recce's, clubs do recce's, don't they? Yeah, we'll go over there and we'll make sure. It looks good. It looks, yeah, it's a safe place to be. It's all right. It's, yeah, yeah. Club, yeah, the facilities are great. That is, but how do you do a, a, a recce for, for language and, 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 you know, comments and, and whatever just else? ticking boxes. Exactly. So I've said you need to look at and then you need to divert back to the Premier League and the Football League. Is it safe for us to travel there? And whilst I wouldn't want, well, I wouldn't want to stop anyone having the experience, do you know what I mean? Because 
It's a beautiful experience. Football mm. gives, opens up so many doors for these young people, even if they're not going to make it in the game. They travel, they stay in nice places, they experience different lifestyles, foods, culture. It's all part of travelling. It's not just what happens on the field of play. That's a byproduct of being part of a system where you're attached to a professional football club. You're not a professional yet, but you're attached and you're living out that experience. But, but if my child was to come home with his bag over his back and saying, yeah, they called me a blackness and they called me a monkey, and I'm going to question why have they taken my child? over there so yeah. there is a responsibility of the game to to nail that down as well you know but look I, I i huff and puff because no one wants to listen we've, we've lost the art of listening no yeah. one wants to listen all right it's racist but mm. all right it, 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 it it's sexist but all right it's homophobic but it's like the game supersedes any experience that any individual has because it's bigger than those experiences. The game needs to grow up. It's as simple as that. The game needs to grow up. Do you, do you feel in your time as, as doing it, do you feel that... Is it, is, is it better than what it was when you started or is it just evolving? Is it different? Uh, listen, we got asked that question last week. I'm not sure, quite sure we answered it very well. Uh, I've joined 12 years ago. I've been as a non-league coach, non-league manager, run my own academy. Uh, I've been in the game far too long. Um, I'm even getting grey hairs on my eyebrows now, and that's a big <laughs> for me. I'm not happy about that. Um, the, the, the abuse is just the same. I was very privileged when I came into this organisation. One of my first gigs was the England under-21s at the time, who had a lot of the players that you all know now in the in the in the England setup. I'm I'm sitting I'm standing there with Cyril Regis, who's a hero of mine, by the way. Uh, Clark Crooks, another hero of mine. Trevor Brookin over there. You know, Cyril's taking them the, the young lad through his experiences as as he's growing up, and you know the bullet in the post and all that stuff about you know if he ever steps on the Wembley pitch. The Garth is telling them about, you know, the fact that the game has given him so much opportunities, but because of the colour of his skin, he's viewed differently. And it just, it was just a prep for them knowing that the responsibility they have of wearing the free lines. Then we went outside and, and before we left, you know, we we're waiting for a car and we're, we're sitting down and I'm listening to these two talk about their experiences of becoming professional footballers and, and living life and all this, that and the other. And, and us, Troy, this is not your conversation, you know, just listen, Troy, just listen. And it was an amazing thing. But then they're telling me, obviously, we got onto the point of the abuse that they received. And both of them said, all we could do is continue to try and be the best player that we could be on the field of play. I get that. Now our players are saying, no, we're taking ownership of that now. We're not allowing people to target us and we'll deliver our messages. Then let's go back to now. Abuse can come now in all different formats because now social media is the growing one, isn't it? That's where mm -hmm. the, the, I was going to use another term, but I'm not, I don't want to lower the tone here, but that's, that's where people can hide, can scour behind, can go, do you know what? I can send that and no one will know who I am. Mm. So that's the new form of abuse. Yes. The abuse is really the same though. Do I hear stories of players still being called monkeys? Yes, I do. Do I hear player, uh, stories of players still, you know, the Yen word being used at them? Yes, I do. Sometimes these are home fans that are talking about their own players. I still hear that. Um, I still hear that, oh, is that, is that. Sorry, Troy, is that in the professional game? In the professional game. Wow. I'm lucky and very fortunate 
to jump on a call every week with the UKFPU, the policing unit. And we'll sit down and we'll go, look, these are reports we've had in today. These are reports we've had in. Yes, you know, racial abuse at Club X versus Club Y, uh, N-word used at home player, you know, Club Club A versus Club B, Premier League, uh, comment used at, you know, even like, even to people that are working, stewards and 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 those working behind the, 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 the counters and stuff like that. And I'm saying, no one knows this. So people actually think that it's gone. It doesn't exist. But because of our conversations, I know it. So when I talk, I talk confidently because I have the information behind it. Mm. And it does exist. It still exists right across the leagues. The lower down the levels, it becomes more prominent. It becomes more... People, more people can hear it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Premier League have the sophisticated cameras and whatever else. But so in answer to your question, no, it's exactly the same with the new form of, of, of I'll call it by its original name that it's called now, X hmm. um, or uh, Instagram or Meta as they own it. Those platforms almost seem designed to allow the abuse to flourish, flourish without much accountability. So you it, catch one, you miss a hundred. Yeah. So where Not we are, one. sorry, mate, sorry to cut you off there. Um, in where we are now, you know, you've you've obviously experienced more than what we could ever even dream of, I imagine, or have a nightmare of. Yeah. Where is it going wrong? What, what, what more can what more can be yeah. done? How can it be done differently? Um, I, I see my own, my own belief is, and obviously I've never experienced racism, you know, um, because of my color skin, I've never, I've never experienced it, so it's 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 something that I can only imagine how it must feel, how it must make kids feel. I've also I, I won't go into my story; it's not quite as as bad as what what Wayne's mm-hmm. was. But mm-hmm. I, when you said younger, I had a player that was, I think we were under nines at the time, and, and we went to away to a ground, and, and he he, but he didn't tell us after the game. And I said to him, if you'd have told me that during the game, I'd have pulled us off, and I'd have just gone home, and I'd have took whatever charge league or FA wanted to throw at me because it's about making a stand to say. You don't deserve to have a game of football finish if you're going to carry off like this. So I would have, I would have pulled them gone. So what? From your, from where you sit, if you had a wand and you could, ch- I know if you had a wand, we could change, make everybody get rid of all idiots, maybe, or you change the mindset. If I had a wand, I wouldn't be on this, this podcast tonight. I'd be well aware. Yeah? Well, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I'd have my feet out, sanding it, and everything. Yeah. But um, but where is it going wrong? What? What what can what can be done differently? How how does it change? Where does it start? What does it look like? Because I think there's there's loads of people talk about stuff, and I agree with you. That there's every time it happens, there's these social media messages, but then it, you give it a couple of weeks and it comes back again. Um, how, how do you how do you get to the bottom of it? How do you do you root it out, root and branch? How do you get it out of there? I would only answer this question because we're sitting here on this pod. Because normally I'd go, well, why don't you tell me? Yeah. How- you know, how don't you tell me? You're the ones in charge. You're the ones who who can uh, provide the, the longest and, and most severe sanctions. Make sure you provide education in that as well, because, you know, actually, pe- actually, people should have the opportunity to almost go, I did wrong. I've learned my lesson. Can I come back? I believe that, unless it's a really extreme case. Mm. We talk a lot about no room for racism, but actually there's quite a lot of room for racism. So let's stop the hashtags for a start, yeah? Uh, what about zero tolerance? Do we actually mean it or are we throwing it out there as a term that everyone else knows, but actually we're not applying? So for me, there has to be uh, an approach of, 
no matter what the standard of abuse that someone is brought to council, brought, brought up about it, you know? Uh, we need to stop this balance of probability. Balance of pro we don't know one individual, we don't know the other, but we're actually using balance of probability. That's the words and language that is used. Well, how are you balancing probability when one says I didn't, one says it did happen? Yeah. So who, basically what you're doing is you're leaning on the side of the person that you know, was accused and telling the victim, prove it. That's not right. Like prove that you were racially abused. Prove that that comment was made against you. In this day and age, if it's me, I'd say, no, thanks. It's all right. I know what happened. I'm going to have to deal with it with no support from the footballing industry. So we need to, like I said, let's use that points deduction. We need to start hitting people where it hurts. Mm -hmm. And if it hurts and up the ladder, I say hitting them where it hurts and financially and stop having these, these kind of uh, fining systems, which UEFA and, and, and FIFA use that actually are, are just a slap on the wrist. Um, but at least they go further than what we do in this country. Partial stadium closures. We've had that in Italy. We don't have it in this country because we don't talk about the abuse. So if we're not talking about the abuse, you know, we have mass charting in this country. You know, so all those clubs that chant all these different chants that are derogatory, we don't deal with them because apparently mass charting, we can't deal with it. So let's let's clean the slate. Let's start again. If there are fans chanting Rent Boy, and we know what section it comes from. And with our cameras now that can point you out. Yeah. See the camera, someone told me the other day, and maybe they regret it now. <laughs> this person was going to Wembley Stadium from Manchester. They've tracked the person from Manchester to entry to seat at Wembley. Tracked them. That's what they can do now with these systems. So if you can do that, no one should ever leave the stadium who has, let's say, thrown out some language and feel confident and comfortable about going home that night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we also have situations where, do you remember the Man City, Man United abuse from a few years back um, when there was a fan on the touchline who was making some gestures and the Man United fans pointed him out? I remember this. What happened with it? Nothing. Well, we don't know, do we? So we're not good at talking about, because apparently the, the gentleman, I'm calling him a gentleman, by the way, apparently he was arrested. But what happened? Mm. Troy Deeney last season, uh, racially abused by a Birmingham City fan. Mm. I don't know what happened. I, I don't know the consequence, the outcome. So, so, so I pick up the some... phone, ring Troy and say, yeah. Troy, what happened in that case? So maybe the high, highlighting the, the punishment that, that does maybe get handed out and let, let it as a deterrent kind of thing. As a deterrent, sometimes these things are not a deterrent because one fan will always say, well, it's going to happen to me. I'm cleverer than that one. Do you know what I mean? But we've got to show force. We've got to show that actually, if you walk into a stadium and you're hell-bent on using language that is not acceptable, there will be a consequence for you. And I'm not putting pressure on stewards because I think they've got an unbelievably difficult job. I'm putting pressure on the fact that you've got your camera system and you can track people wherever they go. But let me say this, the fight against racism, and I know they won't like me saying it, was pushed back when we didn't identify, and I'm going back to 2018, a banana landed on a Premier League pitch and we did not call it racism. All of a sudden, that banana was a missile. You land that banana in front of me, I know what you're calling me. 
And by the way, this person that threw the banana, I know him. It came out in the end. Troy, you know, I said, I don't know anyone that would throw a banana. I used to play with the lad. Wow. Top, top wow. lad, as I thought. Willing to throw a banana on the field of play at a black player. But every single newspaper that reports, so I don't know who was in cahoots with who, but every single newspaper that reported that incident, if you try and Google it now, you will not see the word racism in there. So what they're saying is the act of throwing a banana, if we go back to 1988 and John Barnes, John Barnes yeah. at least we knew what it was then. Ooh, yeah, It's an act of racism. Um, we didn't catch the fella, yeah. but it's an act of racism. But in 2018, 30 years later, you're now making excuses for racism. So in, in essence, it's it's been racism is reducing because it's been disguised as something else. Maybe I should have said it that way, Wayne. That way yeah, I maybe you should. I was going to ask you about, um, it's, it is quite a controversial topic for a lot of people and it's it has mixed reviews and I get the answer to it now we're asking you, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Was we were we was debating before we came on about um the taking the knee. I knew you were gonna say that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and just because it's quite a hot topic and yeah. there's quite a lot of people in the media that 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 don't agree with it, there's some that do. Um, I've got to be honest, I and I, this whole amount, not because I think the racism has gone away. I was shocked when they said that they was gonna carry on doing it. Not shocked, but I just I, I didn't think that I thought it maybe come to an end. But after speaking to you and you obviously telling us that how it is being disguised now, how it's still there, but it's not being pu pushed at front, which is what you're trying to do all the time. That's the reason why the players want to keep doing it because it's not going away. Let's put this into context. The taking of the knee is only done, done six times a season now. So it's losing its value anyway. It started last year. It's losing its value. Start of the season, during the No Room for Racism campaign, Boxing Day. No Room for Racism again, last so maybe five times, last game of the season. So you, the booing that happened at Burnley, and I don't know if it happened at any other ground on Friday night, will not happen again until no room for racism in November. We bottled it. Mm. We bottled it. Everyone said, look, the taking of the knee, it's a player initiative. Yeah, so anyone that wants to connect it with Black Lives Matter and what happens in America and you know, the initiative that is run there, the, the function of the police and whatever else, then maybe you need to do your homework because this is what the players said. They wanted the taking of the knee because actually, yes, it was after the murder of George Floyd, but actually it was in support of American sports stars and then reflecting on what happens in our own country with the fact that we never deal with racism properly. So the players took the knee. There'll be some for it and there'll be some against it. We all know Wilf Sahar started taking the knee and then stopped. He stopped because every single match day weekend, he was still getting monkey emojis and, and his, his family being told to die. So he said, well, no, I'm going to stand and I'm going to be proud and I'm going to challenge these people in my way. Okay. Ivan Tony, the same thing, the most racially abused uh, player in the championship at that time, and then coming up to the Premier League. So the players are taking it because they still feel that our game, the English game, Forget anything else, anyone. Remember, you can have the same name and be different, yeah? So, you know, in support of Black Lives Matter is not in support of what's happening out there or the organisation that's created a split in, 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 in the kind of narrative that it has. It's about challenging the authorities to do better. Mm. 
Then the authorities get involved a little bit with the players and say, well, you don't really want to do it all the time, do you? And now we're rege- England took the knee more times in the World Cup than what, our, what the other players did last, last season. So for me, when it started, and I know it started in closed stadiums, I'm telling you now, it's the most powerful initiative, bar none, bar all the hashtags that we've had, most powerful thing that was happening. Yeah, and that's, you can put kick it out in there, you can put a Premier League in there, you can put, it was the most powerful, significant thing because it run by the players. And I get a little bit emotional because my support is for the players, the victims and, and the support systems around them. So for me, I'm like, yeah, I can feel that taking off the knee. I, really- I think you put that really so well for us. For a while, I started to consider it as a bit of virtue signaling, you know? I, I get it, Wayne. Um, but but the way you've put that, it kind of hits home. No, these these players are actually standing up for the mates and, and they're seeing it and they're showing everybody we still see it. Do you remember the plane that flew over Turf Moor? I think when they were playing Man City again. Yeah. Remember the plane? And Ben Mee came out and Ben Mee spoke amazingly about why the players take the knee. And you know what? He wasn't black. He wasn't mixed heritage. He wasn't from an, he's an English white captain. Mm. And he came out and he nailed it. And I actually thought at that time, that's when we might see more change. Yeah. That's when people might go, do you know what? Get it now. You know, we've got a, a really established you know, like English player who has said the reason why, as a squad, they want to take the knee and how that was belittled by that plane flying over Turf Moor. Mm. We, we, it wasn't helped. Let me get back on this government rant. It wasn't helped, obviously, when during our Euros, Boris and his, his mates started to say, ah, oh, this is all crap. This... <laughs> uh... but, but when England got to the latter stages and the semi-final and the final, Boris is putting on his England top, wearing it proud but didn't want to support the players during the course of, of them trying to get there. So glory hunting is something that we'd, we'd mention here. I don't even want to mention the other people from the government who decided that they wanted to be at Wembley because all of a sudden they like football. Do you know what I mean? So they were very distant from the knee at the time and it's right to boo. I mean, why would you say that? Yeah, it's right to boo. So yeah, for me, I, I, yeah, I hate that old argument saying they paid the money, they can do what they want kind of stuff. I had an argument yesterday. Do you remember LinkedIn is a professional platform, isn't it? Yeah. For some reason, someone on my Sunday decided to tag me into a post where uh, you must have heard Neil Mope got abused. Well, not abused. They told his mum, hi, hope your mum's in a grave. Right. I mean, why would you do that? Yeah, yeah. And someone tagged me into a post to argue a point from someone who said it's everyone's right to freedom of speech. It's everyone's yeah. right. And my thing, and, you know, if footballers don't like it, they should go and work in Sainsbury's and Tesco. I mean, what a comparison is that? Yeah. They've got a privileged life. So their privileged lives open them up to be abused. Yeah, yeah. Their privileged life, and if they can't take it, means they should go and work in a lower paid job. Yeah. So I made my points and then switched off my, my LinkedIn because I'm not there to argue on LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah. During the point of no room for racism, sorry, I'll start again. During the point of Black Lives Matter, I received more racism on LinkedIn than what I had on any other platform. Oh, more oh, oh, on, on LinkedIn? 
on LinkedIn, wow. the professional user platform. Do you know so what for, you... me, uh, for me to get more abuse on LinkedIn than Twitter, you got to go some. I mean, that's mental, isn't it? That is absolutely. That, I mean, I, I would I would never have said that. I would never even even. I'm telling you, Wayne. Because you all when I like going through my uni, they always said to you, make sure you've got a LinkedIn profile yep. because obviously that's where you connect with yep. people to get work and, and blah de, blah de, blah. So to think that you got it on LinkedIn, Wayne, which... head of security, uh, teacher at blah blah blah, um, wherever else, sporting whatever, racial abuse on LinkedIn. Wow. So, and I'm sure I posted it on my Twitter to say I thought this platform was worse, but at the moment I'm gonna I'm gonna head back over there because they're killing me <laughs> over there. You, know I mean? you see, your political stance sounds very similar to mine. Um, I am that passionate against these bastards that are in at minute that I I bought two t-shirts for my birthday saying "fuck the Tories" on, and I wear them quite proudly when I'm walking around wherever I am because I, I do feel passionately about what they've done to this country. Um, we we speak about we seem to be even though a lot of people think that it's a lot better now than what it was, it's probably evolved. It's changed. It's coming from different angles. Social media didn't exist maybe fifteen years ago when it, when it was getting different directions. This kind of I'm I, I guess I'm kind of asking clarification for myself yeah. in terms of we have we can't we can't plaster this up. We can't just stick a plaster in it and expect that you know oh, paper over the cracks. So this has to be. And I'm going to come back to education here. This has to be an educationary thing where we, where we teach our young people from a young age what um, what is right and what's wrong. And I think about, I get quite eaten up about schools at the minute. And I think the schools have they've really changed since COVID. I've, I've had a running with my little girl's school about how they treat kids. And I think a lot of, a lot of the things that they teach in schools these days are not relevant anymore. And I think something, when we're in such a, we are growing as a, as a diverse culture. You know, anybody who, who thinks differently is is either a knuckle dragger or or they've not got their eyes open. <clears throat> Surely, in terms of educating our young people, like I try to do with my kids, like when like I look at my lads, I've got 140 kids at club, I've got 17 in my team. Those 17 in my team, I'm immensely close to every one of them, and I I, I, I treat them like they're my sons, and I try to teach them the best way forward, like I did with that little bit that I explained earlier. Yeah. Surely, when it's as bad as what it is, surely there should be something in the national curriculum now that educates from a young age about discrimination, about treating everybody with the same level of respect. You know, drumming that in from an early age so it becomes the norm that those words... I'd love to say, I'd love to say we'd eradicate it one day, but I think you're always oh, going to get, that. you forget idiots, that. aren't you? See, it's when about... I get my pen out, when I get my pen out, I'm acting like a teacher now. This is what I used to do when I was a teacher. <laughs> Wayne, you've got to remember, education <laughs> is what you make it. Yeah. So if behind closed doors, you know, a family is talking about, oh, I don't know why those people are on screen, you know, this is, we're a white country. And again, don't, excuse my words here, yeah? But we're a white country. I don't want to see Asians on my screen or this, oh, I don't want my prime minister to be Asian. That's their internal learning. Yeah. yeah. Child yeah. then goes out through the door and now has this different opinion and different view on people that don't look like him, you know, or her. So we can do education as a powerful tool, but it's education in all different formats. You know, the educational system is not fit for purpose. It's not fit for purpose. Anyone that, you know, we're still, and I get, we have to understand English history because this is where we are. 
Of course, we have to understand English history, but you have to be able to immobilize, because we are such a diverse nation now, immobilize other parts of history as well. Yeah. The sooner you do that, the better. Yeah. But then yeah. you'll have children going home and said, we learned about, I don't know, the Windrush generation, let's say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And mum and dad going, what have you learned about that for? We don't know. That's not who we are. And then we'll be a negative towards the learning that they're getting in their schools. I deliver education in the academy system. And I'm really pleased in a sense, I'm not taking any credit for this, but players who are now established figures in your game, you know, we, we looked through some of the feedback the other day from years gone by, little Ben Chilwell, little Declan Rice, do you know what I mean? Little Raheem, like they're all part of our feedback. And for me, that's why those players stand tall now. You know, and so we must have had something to do with it, but they're also growing up in, in, a, in multicultural teams and actually are embracing their teammates. And what that's the way you learn. So you're, what you are creating in your own environments is on the right lines of helping people understand different ethnicities, different cultures. What we can't do sometimes, we can't influence everybody. Mm. Um, as much as what we'd like to, I'd like to think that I can educate everybody in the world. And then, a, 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 you know, a man or a woman goes back and says, oh, we just had education at bloody Troy Towns and he's talking about racism again. Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. And for them, it, dare I say, and I don't want to use this, but I'm going to use it, but I'm only going to use it shortly, right? Because I'll absolutely go off on one, as I already have. <laughs> so. Ian Botham was a hero of mine. An absolute cricketing legend, by the way. I loved his style. I loved his panache. I loved everything about both. And I, I even, I, and of course, I love the fact that his best mates with Viv Richards. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ian Botham now says he didn't see any racism. I haven't. Oh, there was no racism during my time. And I can knock on any of my friends' doors and whatever it may be. But the context behind it was racism did not happen. Now, I'm not being funny, Ian, but you were at Somerset with Joel Garner and Viv Richards. Are you telling me that there was no stories coming out when you, you know, used to travel with England and you had Devon Marshall on your team? Are you telling me that he didn't get some? Mm. Or were you being ignorant to the fact? Closed mind, closed heart, no, not hearing it, nothing to do with me. I am not having it. And people can say, well, no, I agree with you. And I still get people say, never seen it. I'll get people at clubs. So an incident happened. Let me tell you that, sorry, I am rambling, but you get me started on this. So <laughs> remember Tottenham Chelsea when Rudiger stopped the game, when they stopped the game Chelsea a few years ago and Rudiger said, oh, they're monkey charting at me. I had, to, I had to do some media that day. I remember it, it was Christmas. I was actually on leave. I had to do some media that day. And I said, if there's any Spurs fans, it's really disappointing. A couple of fans messaged me, Troy, we know where it was from, yeah? Friends of mine, friends of mine, avid Tottenham supporters. How can you say that? There's been no racism ever at White Hart Lane or the Tottenham Stadium. How can you go against your own supporters? Like they were blaming me. God. And I'm like, hold on a minute. We had a drink the other night, but this is my work. I have to call it out wherever I see it. And when I'm getting intel from someone who's texting me saying, Troy, it's seat number that, and it's that, guys always like it all the time. And they say, never witnessed it, never witnessed it on our patch. And I've said Spurs there, but actually it could be any club. Yeah, yeah. Any club, never witnessed it. 
Never seen it. Not where I sit anyway. Do you know what? Because your mind is not open to it. I will hear racism. I'm sorry. And you three might not hear a thing. And I will say, guys, listen, over there, that guy over there, he's, he's, I, I can see it. And you guys go, oh, actually, I, Troy, you're all right. Right, yeah. I, I can hear it. We have a unique tune to the abuse that we've received all of our lives. All of our lives. I was born in Hackney, East London. I couldn't be more Cockney if you, well, not Cockney, but do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. This is when people say, where are you from? Uh, Hackney, East London. No, where are you really from? <laughs> Hackney in East London. <laughs> uh, but no, you know, where are you from? That is subtle racism. Yeah. That is denial that a black man could be born in this country. Yeah. Sorry for popping off, Jen. No, no, no. I think I think it's what I think. Speaking from the heart is exactly Absolutely. what we wanted. Um, obviously, it shows it shows your frustration. It shows, and I, I think it gives a really in depth look of of where you're coming from. I think I think um, some of the stuff that you told us today, and and you know how prominent it still is. Uh, and I never I never thought for a second that it wasn't, but I think I didn't also realize how much yeah. it's disguised now. Yeah. Whereas the not you're right. It's not, and I, and I guess that's the reason why people then maybe become desensitized to it. Is to say, well, racism is gone now. We never hear anything of it, and it's yeah, not that it's gone. It. It's been, it's been covered up. I agree. Is, I agree with that. And anyone and, that says to me they don't hear it, once they sit down with me for two and a half minutes, then they'll know that actually, oh God, what Troy said there and what he's experienced and what you know family members have experienced or colleagues or hmm. when he goes into an environment and you know the thirteen year old says to him, yeah, I was racially abused when we were on tour and. You know, mm -hmm. the nine-year-old says, yeah, my own teammate raised up. These are all factual. I'm not making none of this up. Yeah. I have no right to make it up. Yeah. I think that's definitely one of the most important them. lessons sorry, from tonight's trip. Sorry, Troy. Um, the fact that, you know, it's disguised. And that all three of us here would probably have been on the line of it's reducing. Maybe yeah. not Martin, but I know definitely me, me and Wayne. But this tonight was really, really highlighted the strength of it and the reason for this podcast to, to get it out there that it hasn't changed. It's been disguised. But Wayne, can you, can you also see that I don't take no pleasure in talking about it? Oh, of course yeah. not. And we don't take any pleasure sit here and be talking about Twiddly D and Twiddly Dumb, you know, whoever they may be, or I'd rather be talking about the action from, we haven't even spoken about anything to do with refereeing. I'd rather be talking about that, but people actually think, Oh, here he goes again. He's, he's talking about racism again, that guy. And, Blood. Does he ever stop? And I can't stop hmm. because yeah, every yeah, last Thursday, last Thursday, my day was planned. Yeah, going into Central London, where I had to sit and work on this project. Uh, I was doing some shortlisting for 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 these awards. My afternoon was then having a couple of meetings in the same place. Yeah, grab a bit of lunch after me. Ten o'clock in the morning, Troy. Um, yeah, I've just been contacted by some players who said that their manager is racially abusing them. Wow. Your whole day goes. Your whole day. So everything I planned, you can't because you're getting messages, you're this, you're getting that, you get, and you think to yourself, oh, so it wipes your day out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because I'm not the kind of guy that would hear that and go, oh, that can wait. I'll leave that. You know, I'll, maybe they won't. No, you action it straight away. And my whole, I was still talking on the phone at eight o'clock at night. Yeah. And I'll, I'll have to delay getting on my train because if I get on my train, I lose my signal and I can't talk to anybody. Yeah, it's too important. And one, one of the things I was going to come on onto there, Troy, when you said about the refereeing, which we'll 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 tie it in in a, in a sec. 
was one you said earlier, and I was just listening to you, it was just always wonderful listening to you. Horrible subject, but it's just wonderful knowing that you will make a difference, even though you have made a difference already, is that they stop the conversation, don't they? When you say what happens, where did that like a prosecutor? Did that they stop the conversation? That that's the reason they do it. So the, otherwise, the conversation can go on and on and on, which is a tax that I always ensure happens. But in the referee in front, look, look what we've had recently with regards to Sam Allison coming through the ranks. Now Sam Allison started this football round here where I am in the uh, in the West Country. I remember when he first started off. I went to a, a place called Froome Town. Sam was watching, and, right. Sam, and Sam said to me. I said, all right, Sam, I've heard you. Well, yeah, I think it was a level four then. And uh, he goes, yeah, yeah, what do you reckon, Matt? I said, do you reckon I'll, uh, there's a chance of me getting up near the Premier League? I said, do you want me to be honest with you, Sam? No chance. Ask him. Ask Sam Allison. And that was the truth at its time, Wayne. At the time, absolutely. I need to manage your expectations, mate. It ain't going to happen. I said, you know, it just ain't going to happen. That's one of the problems. And and early on, early on, yeah, the glass ceiling was there. That you know, black man's graveyard. He was coming yeah. into that, yeah. And then, and then things changed, and he, he people started to realize, well, actually, he, he is a talented. He is not that it should matter if he was talented or not. He, then he got people behind him, uh, who who were really supporting and making noises. Why isn't he getting a cup final? Why isn't he getting this? And and it was just becoming too. It was becoming too uh, too loud for them to ignore. And then this weekend, don't we? We have uh, a keel, yeah. on the select group Premier League. Yeah. First ever we time we've had a full time match official from the Bain community for how many years? 15, 15 18, something 18. like that. Yeah. And not only this weekend, we had two because Sam was fourth man and the queue was on the line. Absolute yeah. groundbreaking. I haven't heard many big klaxons going off about yeah. that. Yeah. Was that one of the last ones? Uriah. Uriah Rennie. Rennie. Yeah, Uriah, Uriah Rennie. Rennie. That was his name, wasn't it? Right, Rennie, 20, 20 years, eight, 15 years. I think it was 15, 18. I can't remember. I'll get the I'll get the facts. I but wasn't yeah. sure if, if the last time with Uriah Rennie, I think it was about I have got a feeling it was about 91, you know. Is it that long? You I, put the maths together I, 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 I on that. It's really My long. Brain doesn't work this late at night. But referee, and I was I was listening, I was blessed enough to do games with Uriah. His name's Uri, but everyone knows him as Uriah. Sorry. And no, no, don't apologize, guys. And so I get always stayed with, with match officials. I do my backgrounds on them. What does he like? What do you don't like? And and fifteen years, fifteen years, two oh eight, yeah. And he says, yeah, sorry. And he and he had um, he had these little idiosyncrasies. He didn't like you to shake his hand before the game. So when you met in a hotel before a Premier League game, four hours before kickoff, he just woke up and I just walked up and went, "I am I'm Martin." He went, "All right," and just looked at me and never put my hands out. <laughs> I mean, all the instincts to, to sort of personally am. I want to hug them and give them the handshake and have the upbeat. No, 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 I didn't do it. I got told in his warm up, don't overtake him in his warm up. Oh, don't, wow. So he's got it, which I get, I get, I get. And he's very domineering in regards to, to keeping it sold again. But other people would view that as, ah, oh, he's arrogant. Yeah. Because, because, he's, because he's a man of colour. He's, he's, if that's the right term, boy, I can't, I was getting mixed up in. If I say the wrong term, please correct me. Oh, that's fine. Is that is um, it's arrogant. But if it if it was a if it was Kalina doing it, I was really confident. Yeah. And I seen these little nuances in it, and I loved being with him. We got on really, really well. And he um, so I really, really worked me me ass off doing everything right. And I asked him, Billy, they didn't give you a meal afterwards. They brought sandwiches down. You got a, a tray of sandwiches each. Yeah. So he got his tray. I got my tray. And at the time, because I was getting luck to go on a full-time Premier League role, they had a lad called Paul Regia there. 
who was the main man for assisting the freeze on the Premier League. And when he goes there, you know the looking at you. So I was really made up. He comes in, he goes, oh, Scouse, yeah, brilliant. You can see why we're looking at you. Bright future ahead. So oh, thanks very much. And you're right and he said, put your hands out. Put his hand out. And he has a little Premier League badge in his hands. He'd give it to me. I said, oh, thanks very much. And there I was, I was relieved. I'd done everything I wanted to do. And I sat down on a bench. And I sat sat on his fucking sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I just... Typical Cassidy. Did he, um, did he check the Premier League badge back off you? <laughs> <laughs> just took his own place of sandwiches, which was mine. <laughs> but what I was getting at was that, like, I, I realised really early on that he was viewed different because of the colour of his skin. But his Mark, do you see what you say there? Do you see what you say there about choice of language? Yeah. Yeah? So language is a massive thing. We talk about it with commentators as well, don't we? The way they describe mm-hmm black brown footballers you know and they don't see that deem them as intelligent they you know they use particular language when they make a mistake or you know the language is not parallel it's not the same and that's why one of the reasons why i think we lack in black ex-black players going in boardrooms and ex-black players going into coaching because they're never deemed as leaders they're never deemed as you know the, the, the kind of person that can be captain material yes you have a few you have your patrick vieras and vincent companies look who's gone into management Patrick Vieira and Vincent Company. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So there's times when we, and of course they should be spoken about that way, mm-hmm. but it should be a level playing field in the way that the commentators describe players, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Look, look at the field I'm in, sorry, Troy. The field I'm in and what I'm trying to do, all, all the, you know, warrior of lost causes for referees and keeping that subject of referees in, in the face. And I, I'm not sure what the correct term is to use. Now that's a lack of education for me. Why don't I know exactly? Or that's a lack of education that's not yeah. being provided by the game. And mm. you know, I spoke about this to you and about referees having you know education. I spoke to you about this a long time ago. Yeah. You know, anyone that is, I call officials front facing. You're front facing. Mm. Anyone that is front facing needs their education topped up every single season, like you do on the rules, like you do on, on other aspects of the game. Top up the education. Why? Because at some stage it will come in. You don't know when. At some stage, you will have to act on an incident where you'll need to know the right language and terminology. Absolutely, absolutely. You remember the PSG situation where uh, the fourth official used the term black and just black and PSG went mad and then came off the field of play? Yes. It's going to be situations like that. I had it in grassroots where a young Asian lad who was officiating, and, and I always feel that, particularly in grassroots, when there's only one official, your job is trebly harder. And he didn't know how to deal with a situation at the time because the game was going on uh, where uh, a young player was being called um, uh, the N-word by a Puerto Puerto Rican player. So my player, who's the best player on the field of play, as we finish and we've won 5-1, I'm saying, why are you not smiling? Why are you not happy? You've done so well today. He's constantly been calling me the N-word. So I pulled the referee and we had a conversation. And he said, I didn't know what the right thing was to do. So I don't blame him as a young official. I'm saying, who's looking after you? Yeah. Why have you not had the education? What do you know what I mean? And that's when I started speaking to, to, to Aaron Williams, who, who you, you will all know. And, and you know, he we used to work with us. And we started speaking in this space. And I said to Aaron, you know, as much as the players need education, so do the officials. Yeah. It can only benefit them. So, Mark, you shouldn't say to me, what's the right terminology now? Exactly. Although, exactly. terminology changes by the week, by the way. You know, I could, could back you up on that is, is uh, obviously, I, I ref as well. 
Um, and every year you have to renew your um, refereeing badge subscription, yeah. whatever it may be. But there's never any there's never any refresher training offer with that. It's just is it twenty quid, Wayne. I can't remember. Yeah, twenty quid. Twenty quid. It. Take you twenty quid. No exam. No test. No nothing. Why no. is there not? Why is there not that in place? You know, like we're going to yeah. refresh you. We're going to upskill you. We're going to make sure yeah. that you remain relevant. And by the way, you know, at all levels of the game now, the playing field is diverse. Yeah. So diverse to the point where some of them, English is not going to be their first language as well. Do you know, um, I just want to touch on what you said about all these people that were like potentially kind of missing out. I think the biggest travesty is, is, is the kids themselves when they start at a grassroots level. Maybe that leads up to adults and some some adults maybe quit the game because of it. Uh, this also falls into refereeing where you run about, obviously, Uriah Rennie. How... How many are we missing out on? Forget, you know, the, the people themselves are missing out on something that could be really, really good, really beneficial for them in terms of some might make it a, as a professional into a career, as a referee, as a footballer. But how many, you look at it, and there's so, I mean, there's so many talented individuals out there, regardless of colour. And yeah. how many of, of, of these talented individuals of colour are we missing out on? We could be missing out on great players, great officials, because of some dickhead that stands on a sideline who gives them some abuse one day that absolutely terrorises them in the head that they're being abused for, for something they can't help. So and we potentially, they they lose a career. They might even lose a life over it. You know, people might, like we say, commit suicide because of it. Two things, two things. Sorry, I'm so glad that language is so free on this pod. It makes me feel at ease. <laughs> um, two, I've even forgotten, wasn't it? Two things, two things. Uh, I've had the absolute privilege, and Martin has, has mentioned it twice, of um, hosting the BAMREF conferences. One in Villa, one at Aston Villa, last one at Wembley, only last month. The one at Villa, I didn't know what to expect. Because mm. I'm thinking, there's no diverse referees, so what are we going to do, you know? Martin, you was there, wasn't you? I was there, mate, yeah, I was there, yeah. I was in that room, and by the time they said, Troy, we're ready to go... I looked at a room of 100 people and I went, wow. I said, where are all these black and brown referees coming from? And you probably had 100 apologies for people who couldn't make it. Exactly. And I was like, wow. At Wembley, we asked them to all put their hand up who was at the Villa uh, conference the year before. Seven. So all of a sudden now, there's all these, so there's all these diverse officials in the Midlands, all these diverse officials in London. The two events, I thought they were amazing days. That one at Villa Martin, unrivaled for me. I was like, wow, like this is a movement. This is something where football cannot deny now that it has referees from divert. It can't deny it no more. No, no. This, this, this one in July, I mean, I tasked them with the fact that if you're going to have an event at Wembley, you need to get Howard Webb. You need to get Howard Webb. And he turned up, he smashed it out of the park because he doesn't read from a script. He reads from, he, he reads from what's up there. Uh, obviously, he need, has some notes, but he smashed it out of the park. And I looked at him differently, because I didn't think he could verse in this. You know, I'm thinking, mm. oh, but I looked at him differently and thought, he's a spot on. Mm. He doesn't he's... need two pages of paperwork to confirm what he's saying. He, he looks at his notes. He walks all around the stage. The stage isn't that big. I actually thought he was going to fall off at one stage. I was like, oh, Howard, watch it. But he, he, was, well, he was in control. He was in control, spoke about his wife and, you know, difficulties that she's had. So he knows it from all these different angles. And he had the audience purring. 
And I can't say that about everybody. Mm. He had the audience purring. And I thought to myself, and I, listen, we had a private, he did an interview with Darren Lewis and, and we had a private like hour with him. If he wasn't invested, he, by the way, his son was waiting for him to drive him to somewhere. I don't even know. Uh, I said, where's your son? He went, oh, he's downstairs in the car. I said, get the boy some sandwiches or something. It was nearly <laughs> two hours late. But it, it, like, if he wasn't invested in the conversation, he wouldn't stick around. He'd make That's excuses, yeah. as many people do. Oh, I really got to go. I can give you five minutes of my time. No, he was like, yeah, where, where are we going? I was like, yeah, in the room there, Dan's waiting for you. Yeah, come on, let's go. Sat, done his interview, stayed for another 45 minutes, engaged with us in this room and actually said, uh, take my number, make sure you know we stay in touch and whatever else. It was supposed to be our anniversary event on Tuesday, but a big call came up and he, he had to pull out, but he apologised, you know, and things like that fill my heart with changes coming. Yeah, We always have to have hope, don't we? If we don't have hope, we've got nothing to play with. Yeah. And the reason I'm still here with some grey hairs, with you know, not shaving my beard, and you might not see it here, but there's some grey in there as well, like I said. And the fact yeah, I need to take you to task there, mate. Terminology. Well, as well, a man who's lots of magnolia hair. Mag <laughs> not <laughs> Magnolia, right, okay. But, but the game, there's times when this game has worn me to the point where I think to myself, Troy, get out of here. Get out of here. It's, it's, it's not the same as what it was before. You're not being heard. You're not being listened to. And then I come on a platform like this, and I know this is going to go to many people that may not have heard, heard what I'm saying today. Do you know what I mean? So there's your influence. We mm, never yeah. know who we're influencing. We never know who we're telling a, a new story to. We mm. never know. So I'm still here. I'm still standing. I'm still up straight. I have my moments. But actually, yeah, uh, we have to have hope. You've got to keep fighting for change, Abby, because if, if you don't and everybody gives up, then it just gets worse. And we're just giving in to the hands of, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, Absolutely. I, I truly believe. And, and I think that it takes it takes special people to take on big challenges that, you know, you potentially might not see the end of it. But if it's like a chain kind of thing, I look at my club and I think, well, when I'm not here no longer, I still need to exist and somebody to still, to still pass on that message. And I, and I guess you're kind of in a chain. Um, of, of when you look back on this in 100 years, who started that off? Who did this? Who no. told me that? You know, they can look to you for that and think, well, we learned a lot from from the doors that, that Troy kicked down. Yeah. We haven't had to go and kick them doors down. We've kicked new doors down. Yeah. Um, you know, so we're getting further through that building until we get to the top, until, you know, we kind of get to a point where, you know, I think it's acceptable to say that you're never going to eradicate every dickhead and idiot from life. But if we can minimise it to the lowest possible numbers, then all of a sudden everybody's or almost everybody's life becomes a lot more manageable and enjoyable. And we get we get out of it what we put into it. And I think a lot of these kids, when they start off and they put a lot into it and they might always not maximise it because of idiots who, who discriminate and who destroy the journey. And the journey stops far too prematurely yeah. than what it should have done. And what are they missing out on? And what are we missing? We all, we all love football. You know, we all love, I, I'm a massive Liverpool fan. I watched it yesterday. I missed it. It was back. I were engaged. I were in it. You know what? I, I, I love all. John Barnes is my favorite ever player. If John Barnes had given up, I'd have never got to enjoy John Barnes. Yeah. You know, and he's such a voice now. He's such a massive, but positive voice thing. for change. This is the thing, and I've got to be honest. This pisses me off no end. Um, when people say football can't influence in this space, yeah, it's, a it's right there. You go, Wayne. You know, we can we can influence in all football influences all other areas. Yeah. You can see it, it's visible. 
But when we talk about discriminating, oh, football can't influence a societal problem. Football has its own influence. We have 60,000, 70,000, 80,000 down to, you know, the person and their dog. Of course it can influence. It has a massive influence because it's the beautiful game, the global game, the game that we can't wait to see it come back. I was even watching preseason friendlies. I don't even watch preseason friendlies. <laughs> I'm watching preseason friendlies getting ready for the big day. Of yeah. course it can influence. Players take the knee. Children will take the knee. Players don't take the knee. Children will say, oh, they've stopped doing that now. We're not going to do it. Do you know what I mean? Players mm. argue, as you well know, with referees. Children, we're arguing with the referee because that's what my heroes do. So yeah. don't tell me that football can't doesn't have a massive influence on everything, on everybody. Yeah. You know, children we've got to start believing see. in it. Children see and children do. Of course they there's do. A, there's a thing, I'll put it up on our website. And is there anything you want us to have? I'd like to have a page if I can, Troy. If you can do a narrative or put you somewhere with a page about the right terminology, about these things, put it on our website, paint me there, share the link everywhere you can. Brilliant. I'll do that absolutely no problems at all. But there's a thing on the website, which might be a good way to, to end this, because it's got on a lot longer. We're on an hour and a half here, Troy, so thank you so much. Is that there's a thing called about starfish, and there's a beach full of starfish, beach full of them, millions of them. And a lad is walking along, and he gets a starfish, and he throws it in the sea. And he walks a little bit further and he picks up a starfish and he throws it in the sea. And there's a bloke sitting down doing nothing, just watching the sunset set. And he calls him over and says, what did you do that for? You, you know, there's millions of starfish left. You're never going to make a difference. And he says, but it made a difference to them too. Yeah. Mm. That's the journey we're on. Yeah. The, the more of us that throw those starfishes back in the sea, the more of us that don't sit there and just ask what you're doing it for, the yeah. quicker we'll change the game. Look, for me, this has been an absolutely massive podcast. And you mentioned earlier on that, you know, you wanted to talk about the football, this, that, and the other. So very, very quickly, cats or dogs? Oh, give me a... Do you know what? Cats or been, dogs? I think you might have been looking into some of my social media history. <laughs> I have been looking at all these cat videos for the last six months. I'm sure I want to either adopt or get a cat, a kitten. So I'm watching all these videos and I'm like, oh, I think I, oh, shall I? What? Then I started looking at dog ones the other day and I'm like, oh, look at, oh, shall I get a dog instead? I haven't got one. I've got probably cats, just. Yeah, just kid, dogs, cats. dogs are the kids that never grow up, mate. You can't send them out to play. You know, you have to look after them and walk them all the time. That You know, they're great. I've got two, but all I'm right. done. I'm never ever anymore. Uh, so that might, that might help you there. Cats, you can send them out for the night, you know, go and do the, the thing. Yeah, yeah cats aren't loyal. Cats aren't loyal. They'll go anywhere they want. Dogs yeah. are loyal. Dogs are loyal. Favourite football ground? He's going to say Spurs. One I've actually visited or... No, you could even it? include one that you'd love to. I know you'd want to come to Donny. <laughs> I've been no, Donny. No. I've been Donny twice. Bellevue. Oh, um, nice. What my fact? I suppose... Anywhere your son's playing. Yeah, that would be my favourite. Yeah. Can I can I ask you about? I I would. I'm not just saying this because you're on. But New camp. New camp. New camp. Yeah. Yeah. I was a huge fan of your boy. Oh, thank um, you. I always wanted him when he burst on onto the scene and he had that um really good sp spell when he hit Spurs. Yeah. And I always thought, why don't Liverpool put a punt in for him? I'd love to see it at Liverpool. And then he was on that bit of a crest of a wave when he hit the England team and he was smashing it. Yeah. And he was all on. He was one of the players that I spoke about. He was spoke. He was spoke about on on media. 
about being an absolute shoo-in for Roy Hodgson's squad for 2014 in Brazil. And he got injured, didn't he? He done his hamstring. Oh, do you know, he, I was devastated. Had... And I can remember seeing him. You were devastated, Wayne. Yeah, well, no. Because, <laughs> because I, I thought he was one of them players that you looked at. And I didn't think, from where his position where he played, I didn't think we had anybody like him. Boy, because him. It, it only took um, Andros one touch inside bank and his Boom. shots were like a rocket. And when he got injured, I were, I were absolutely... And I, I, I don't get me wrong, that World Cup were an absolute shambles for us, but we weren't to know that before. And I on, I loved him for England. And, I mean, I, obviously, I've watched his career and yeah. even, when, even when he went to Everton two years ago, I know, I know Matt is on a joke. <laughs> but, you know, do you know, I was even thinking then, why have we not took him on? Do you know, yeah. he could come he could come on, take Salah off for 15, 20 minutes, add something different. I don't I, think you could take Salah off for 15, 20. Did you I see the that he had I know, yesterday? I know. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, I listen to him on talk. Every time he's on TalkSport, I listen because he's like you. He's very, he's very, yeah, very engaging. Says it out here straight to the point. Mm. And I just want to say, I, I've always been a huge fan of your boy. And uh, I I, he's not got a club sorted yet, has he? Not at the moment, no. Um... I wish you didn't take me back to 2013, 2014. It oh, was, bless it, you. No, it was unbelievable, you know, watching him put on an England shirt and play for his country for the first time, you know, in a World Cup qualifier. I mean, I was shitting my, myself about, don't make no mistakes, don't this, don't that. And he took to it like a duck to water. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he, he did. He then played the Poland game. And then, do you remember they had two friendlies in November and he played against Germany? And Germany had marked him out to be the threat, you know. And I'm thinking, that's my boy they're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. But actually, he got a hamstring injury a month later. Chops a half a yard off you, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, Stoke City away, of all places. Can you imagine that? Mm. And Greg Peters comes in and absolutely ruins his ankle. Ruins his ankle. Has he uh, had to have that rebuilt then, has his ankle? Oh, so he, he, he done the op. And I'm telling you now, they didn't do the op properly. Really? They didn't do the opera. I, I, you know, you know your own children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say you know your. I'm watching him have the op, done all his physiotherapy, come back, warming up on the touchline, and I'm saying he's, he's, he's not. That's not right. He's not right. Not running he's right. Running in the way that he was, you know. So actually, he lost. You know, you have those injuries and whatever, but he lost yardage. So that explosive pace. Yeah, yeah. Was lost, you know, and he had to adapt his game quite a bit, but yeah. I know, I know you'd have been devastated, obviously, being his dad. But honestly, when he were when he were, when we were on the cusp of that World Cup, and he was one of the players that I always spoke about to my mates, and I was like, "This is the kid, this is the kid." There's something about him because he doesn't need, he doesn't need to be in game loads. He just needs that one chance. Need the chance, yeah. Um, and he, he, he and I've always, always watched his career. And like I said, when he went, when he went, I was thinking, oh, you know, just I'd, I'd love, I'd loved Liverpool to have signed him. Yeah. Um, obviously, he went to the wrong side. Of well, he went side. to the wrong side, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but uh, well, it was I... the right side to start with. He 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 started like a house on fire. Yeah, he did yeah. yeah. Benitez, were it Benitez, weren't it? Yeah, under Benitez. Yeah, I mean, he was he got injured in March 2022, and in April 2022, he was still the top goal scorer and top 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 assist. Really? Yeah. Wow. And it was only Richarlison that took over him in the last couple of games. He, he honestly, mate, he, he is a player. I, I I I was massive. Huge fan of him, and I wanted to tell you that when you come on because it weren't somebody that I'd just play. Yeah, no, I, I, I do want to. He's just one That's of them really players. Nice. You just when you when you come on and you, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a bit of a as Wayne will tell you, I'm a massive football geek. I love it. I live it. I breathe it. Brilliant. Um, and when I see 
players. Yeah, yeah. Just, there's just something different about certain players, and you look at them, and, there's, and he was definitely one. And okay. obviously, I didn't know how severe his injury was, but obviously, that would make sense as to why maybe he never quite climbed yeah. the heights as, as yeah. what he did before. But what yeah. what a shame! Just imagine if that injury never happened, he might have still I been think set about up it now. All the time, Wayne. I <laughs> do think about it all the time. Sorry, sorry, I'm not, I'm not meaning that. In a, in a <laughs> no, 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 no. Rubbing no, no. really for that wound. Yeah, yeah, no, I, really I wasn't. Grateful. I was doing it from a, a position of love, really, to say, you know, oh, I absolutely. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, I loved watching him and I hated it when we came up against him because I was like, oh, you know, keep Listen, he's, he's still the best player on the field every time he plays in my eyes, so <laughs> I'm all right with that. You know what I mean? but, Joy, yeah. do, you know when you, do you know when you watch him? I've watched my, myself on telly when I've been on the line or whatever, and then I've watched my brothers play, and we all run the same. Got a weird... We all run the same. Does he run like you when you see I, him running? I haven't run since I was about 30, <laughs> right? So I can't even, I've got nothing to compare it with. Um, you must have I, seen I, yourself run. I was, I was quick when I was younger. I was quick yeah. when I was younger, but that, you know, those young years don't stay for too long, didn't they? Yeah, the only guys I've them. seen Wayne's son run and he don't run like that. Huh? <laughs> the only thing that runs on me is my nose, I tell you. <laughs> I got to about 23 and then, I don't know, I was like looking at myself saying, why are you not running as fast as what you used to? So my deterioration started really early, but no, I, you're you're right, you're right. But his his his, his elder brother runs totally different because he runs. He's one of those that runs with his head head up. And I'm saying, what are you doing up there? What are you seeing up there? Are you tracking the clouds or something? They were both really really quick when they were younger, and like I said, it was only that injury that started to knock Andrews because they did the operation wrong. Is he is he is he keen to to stay on? Obviously, I don't really tell many secrets, but is he keen to stay on or is it? Listen, he's, he, he's, he's good in media, isn't it? You know, I always watch him and think there's a massive career in media for him. But when wait, he doesn't want to finish his career, you know. Yeah. Oh no, I don't mean yeah. I mean ACL like injury. Yeah. yeah. His ACL injury is now 18 months ago. You know, he started his first game. So he's been at Burnley for a month, like doing all his pre-season. Yeah, so I read he's that. ready to go. Um, Burnley renegade on a deal. Yeah. Um, so he's now back on the look again. Um, but he loves the media. So, you know, he doesn't want to finish on, you know, his last game marks the 23rd, 2022. I mean, that 32 been, now, isn't it? 32? That hasn't been etched in my memory that no, day. No, I thought that when you said <laughs> it. I thought that when you said um, it. You know, but he his knee injury against Palace of all places going back home and he's in an FA Cup tie, he wouldn't want to finish on that because that's not how he wants to be remembered, that long period of time out. And then ultimately it's cost him the last bit of his career. But what I'm pleased about is that, you know, when they talk about players, I say, oh, they never think about their future. Well, he's thinking about his future because he's carved out a media career and he's also doing his coaching badges. Ah, so yeah. I like him in the media. I'm so he's opening double doors. Yeah, but I, I, I'm not sure I'd want him in the coaching environment. You know, you, know, you, you know, he said you came to Donny twice. Was one of them when he played for Palace against Donny in FA Cup? I yeah. went to that game. I was on the pitch. You might have Wait, seen me. I was on the pitch for the BBC, yeah. Really? I don't know. I was, right, I was right in front of the Donny fans as well, and they started to give me a little bit of stick, and I'm like, really? hold on a minute. I'm only here to do a bit of, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, and the other time was when he was at loan at Ipswich. It was a Friday night game. Ah, right. Yeah. Did you ever? Did you, I, I suppose you wouldn't have played one. They had the old stadium, but would it? No, it would always no, been the new one. How no. shit is? How shit is a keep mop? By the way, is it the most soulless <laughs> pile of shit you've ever been to in your life? You know, <laughs> maybe, 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 maybe we shouldn't ask people what the best grounds have been to. Maybe the better conversation well, the is what one is, is the shittiest ground you've ever been to. And I bet you, Doncaster Rovers will win something for once. <laughs> I'll tell you that now. Will be it. In a matter of fact, Palace packed that away in to the yeah, point yeah. That when I came back from doing the interview, someone had nicked my seat. 
<laughs> wings in and, and there was no room and my daughter's sitting there going I couldn't stop them and I'm like oh. <laughs> they made they made noise for the whole ground so if you take Absolutely. anything Bristol Palace fans made the noise for the whole stadium that night I am I am I am I'm a massive red I've been and watched Liverpool all over but I used to go and watch Rovers um, when I was young because obviously I couldn't get tickets to Liverpool all the yeah. time but I, I've stopped going now because it's it's torture not only is the football shit the atmosphere is horrendous whereas if they'd have been playing at Bellevue, right, the football might have been shit, but the atmosphere was mega. Okay. I'd have been there every Saturday, no problem. Okay. No problem. And Martin, yeah. I don't know what you're coming your face for, because <laughs> I only speak the truth, Martin. Nothing but the truth. The that's bloody all you're new grounds, get eh? Bloody yeah. new grounds, eh? Well, it is. It's awful. So that's that's my new thing for the pod. Not what's the best ground you've been to, because they all know they're going to say Anfield anyway. So we'll just ask them what the shit is. <laughs> that's what we'll no, ask. I'm, li- I'm liking shittest ground. I think yeah. that's a good one for what us. What is the shittest ground you? I tell I'll you, asking but... people who's the best player. I'll give you another, yeah, another example. Burnley. Wow, what an experience! But the atmosphere was phenomenal. Give me that any day of the week over one of these polished, shiny turds that they have around the place. I, was looking, I do like the old grounds, and that's why I always like Selhurst Park, you know, because the atmosphere the Palace fans created there was second to none. Goodison, Goodison Park's awesome. Goodison, 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 Goodison is like, you know, it's gone 15 now. minutes, it's absolutely exceptional. Yeah. The next yeah. the next 75 minutes, oh, shit. It's I know, but you, as a Liverpool fan, you can enjoy that when they're, when they're, when they're starting to turn <laughs> on themselves. Listen, I'll tell you this for nothing. <laughs> the Merseyside derby, I think it was October, November that they played them when Andros was there in the first year. I don't think my body has chilled more than, you know, five minutes before kickoff. The anticipation, the players coming out. Yeah. Honestly, when they went out, Liverpool ever, honest, I was, nice. I was chilled. It was so much chill. And then Salah scored within the first six minutes. Oh, yeah, it was See, shit for me, there. it's St. James's. Oh, the again, raw, another one of down from the back. What yep. a ground! And Sandal beat who? Our yeah. ground. <laughs> <laughs> what is the, is the shittest? No, Sandal beat is the best. It's beautiful turf. Do you know I what? Do you know what, Troy? My yeah. my club, we've uh, our ground is literally next to the Doncaster Racecourse. Oh, is it? Yeah. So we're we're literally there's there's like a little sliver slither of the road. It's not even a main road or anything. Leads to the woods and it's Donny Race. We can literally kick a ball from our field oh, okay. onto the race course. Yeah. Okay. Oh, listen, I remember that. We listen, we've been on nearly two hours, Troy. Yeah. I know, but this is definitely our best pod yet. This, this is, is the best, best part of the pod. What are you talking about? Yeah. All that crap that we were talking <laughs> about before. It's like, oh. and I'm going to let you into a secret, right? Missus was in hospital today. Oh, sorry. I had an appendix last week. Got a few complications. I got taken in this morning. Pull your mic closer. I came Pull away. I come Mike. home. Mike, pull your mic. A... Martin, you might pull your mic a bit close to you. I'm sorry, mate. So, so um, I was down there with an and... name at the end, Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> I, said, I said, I've got it. Um, Alice, it's like teaching a granddad new tricks, mate. You just I know, forgetting new tricks. I resemble that remark. <laughs> and, and and she said, look, we're waiting for the cat scan. Um, got go and do the pod. Go and sort the dogs out. Oh, and then come on back. So I said, yeah, I didn't want to miss the pod and all. Let everyone down. And anyway, about twenty minutes ago. I'm I'm in my dining room. I've got a window here that looks over the garden. She appears at me bleeding window. Really? And have you noticed earlier? I turned the camera yeah, off. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I was like, "What the fuck are you doing here?" 
Is that our new year on the pod? So we got, got our, oh, our youngest to pick okay. us up. Oh, bless her. That's not like my missus. My missus would be like, you better cancel that. Yeah, and make I know. Come up there. Do you know Absolutely. what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So no chance. My missus just texted me and said, can I start over in this fucking bedroom yet or what? <laughs> <laughs> so it looks like she's fine. So, um, Quality. Good news, Good news mate. Thank, just thank you so much for coming on. Pleasure. You, Pleasure. You, you Absolute never feel Pleasure. Me. You never let me down. You give us loads of time, loads of honesty, loads of love. And it's, you know, just remember that you, we're, whatever you want us to do, if there's anything we can do, yeah. push out on social media. Right, please, please come back on. Please come back on, mate. Whatever, please come back on. Absolutely. Can I, I'm going to throw my answering as well again here because I'm brand new in this this new career that I'm, that I'm trying to forge out. Yeah. So if ever you want any video stuff doing for free, give me a shout. Seriously. I can travel. I can come and do stuff. I can edit stuff. I'm setting up at my own productions company in a minute, so if you need anything like that... Um, well, can give... we go back to last Tuesday, then? I needed you last Tuesday. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, from a non ass kissing point as well, he's actually really fucking good at it. Is he? <laughs> I'm yeah. trying. I'm trying. Right. Okay. You're on, Wayne. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll share details and contacts anyway through through here. So, no, absolutely. Listen, just a pleasure. And I, I just love it because I can just be myself. Yeah, that's what we want. That's yeah. exactly what we want, mate. You know, we're not here to catch yeah. you out. We're here to help you out. You help us out and, Absolutely. you know, share some good stuff. And and I, honestly, I, I've been, blo- I was looking forward to it anyway, because I've obviously heard you on other stuff. Yeah. Um. And I, and Martin obviously has bigged you up a lot. And I was like, well, yeah, it's he be has to, I've got a gun to his back. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think it's been, I think it's been immense. And like you say, if we can touch new areas and new channels and get people to listen to this. Yeah. Um. And understand the the stuff that maybe like you put really earlier about stuff being disguised. Yeah. And it's still there. Um. And if we can chip away at stuff for you and keep Amazing. highlighting stuff for you on this pod, if if there's anything you in specific you want us to put out there, you know, want us to talk about, um, you know, we'll, we'll do it. You know, if, if, absolutely love to do it. And uh, you know, it's something that I'm really passionate about. I've got, I can't relax really, like and my, my half of my, my, I've got the most diverse. Club in Doncaster, without a shadow of a doubt. My team um, is fifty percent made up of—is it Bames? I, I say. It? Yeah, I, I was going to um, say. I question that. I don't say Bame anymore. Oh, is it not? That's okay. because football uses it as a way of trying to increase its okay. of black and Asian and minority ethnic. So if it collates it all together, it looks good, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I want to know about the black experience. I want to know. Yeah, about I've, I've, I've never said. I've never said Bame until you said it tonight. I've always said, but I don't even—is is ethnic minorities a correct term these days? Uh. <sighs> Do you know I what? Don't like, I don't like labelling anything, to be honest with you. I just Fine. want to show you the picture of my boys. So, look, that's my team. Yeah. It's a team. If, if you want to talk about black players, you say black. Black, yeah. If you want to talk about Asian players, you say Asian. Yeah. You know, because if I want information on the Asian community that are saying that they've been denied opportunities, I don't want them to be collated as black or minority ethnic. I want yeah, to know yeah. about the Asian community. Yeah. And I actually don't know who minor, uh, ethnic minority is. Who, who yeah. are we no, I don't. no, I don't. I don't. actually love you know? that comment. Yeah, who are we talking about? So, or they've changed it a little bit. Um, I can't remember the phrase they use now, but every change makes it more complicated to understand who they're talking about. Yeah. So I even challenged, and, and Martin said it, I've been challenged Bam Ref to actually, you know, can you say something that's a little bit, I don't like the acronym. That's mm-hmm. a personal choice. And I know football has squeezed out BAME now over the last couple of years because since... Everyone started to use it because the the newspaper said, oh, it helps with our word count. So now I'm a word count. <laughs> oh, really? You know what I mean? It helped, yeah, it gives That's us more space to write something. 
all right, so now I'm a word count. You know, they don't understand when they say these things, the impact of what they say. So mm. I always say, look, if I'm talking about Black, Asian, I'm talking about Black, I, I can use Mediterranean, I can use uh, Greek, yeah. Portuguese, like I, just, you know, and no one should be offended by you using the term Black unless you're obviously saying some choice words after it, yeah, then yeah. it becomes a problem. But no one should be offended by that. No one. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. All right. right. Guys, thank you. Now, now my two-hour toilet break is coming as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm impressed with the most. Yeah. <laughs> those problems. You know what it's like well, once you get over a certain age, Martin. It's hard to get all in. Do. You know what I mean? So, but yeah. I'm all good. Listen, so grateful for having me on. And no, thank you, mate. Words, guys. Hey, take, send good luck to your son as well, mate. I hope he gets something sorted. It'd be interesting to see his next move. Fantastic. Um, I will do. It'd, it'd be brilliant, definitely. that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Hey, maybe you could get on with him next time. I could have a proper... Um... He doesn't like doing... Uh, you know as much as he does the media? He yeah. doesn't want to be of his old man. Oh, <laughs> no. really, yeah. It's like, you know, you do that shit. I'm younger than you. So, do you know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Yeah, very yeah. true. Yeah, I know that. Very, very true. Well, listen, very thank true. you. Thank you again. Thank you for just allowing us to think, really. That's what yeah. it Allowed us to act and 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 give us the pleasure of your company. And like I said on LinkedIn, you're such a warm human Appreciate being that. that I have a pleasure to have to, to think that that is a mate. Super so mate. Super, um, super educational, mate. Without even without even feeling like a lesson. Yeah. That's the best way I can. It's just been amazing, mate, to hear hear your stories. Really that's really good. Amazing. Really, Thank really exciting. Episode eleven of the ref pod. Yeah. So yeah, that's it. Um when's it coming out? When will it be out? Yeah, wrap us up then, Wayne. When will it be out? It will be out uh be out Wednesday. So oh, is it? oh that's yeah. it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So mine works, like works more like a dog, mate. <laughs> um, so on yeah. What formats, Wayne? On what formats? Yeah, so um yeah, we'll wrap should I should I wrap it up? Wrap Let's it up. wrap it up. Um that's been the eleventh instalment of the ref pod. Uh we are flying through them. Uh I I, I didn't even get chance. So absolutely have a go at Martin for his agreeing that Liverpool shouldn't have had a penalty yesterday when I thought they should. But anyway, we'll leave that. We'll leave that to another week. Um, I've, I mean, it's been the longest pod yet. It's been by far my favourite. Um, we are the Repod. Catch us on um, Spotify, Apple Music. Um, we're on YouTube now. Lots of people want to look at us. I keep saying I can't believe people like to look at us, but they do. YouTube, you just search it anywhere. It's all one word at the Repod. It's on Instagram. It's on Twitter. It's on Facebook. It's just about everywhere you can get it. I've been Wayne Riles. I've been joined by Mr. Cassidy, Mr. Baker, and the legend that is Troy Townsend. Thank you very much, and I will see you all next week. Or we will see you all next week. Bye.